Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Today's episode features an excerpt from webinar, Future of Nonprofit Finance, Cryptocurrency, with Sarah Curry of BlackBod and Alex Wilson of The Giving Block. Click on the links in the show notes to access more resources to help you establish best practices within your organization. So can you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about your organization and why you wanted to be part of this conversation? Yeah, sure, Sarah, and thanks for having me on today. Uh, My name's Alex Wilson. I'm one of the two co-founders of The Giving Block. We started this company roughly um, almost five years ago now uh, with the goal of making it really easy for nonprofits to be able to accept crypto and tap into this new donor demographic of cryptocurrency users. It's grown really quickly. We work with over 2,000 nonprofits now, all shapes and sizes. And in just the last year, we've raised over $100 million in crypto donations for our clients. I'm so excited to be part of this conversation and help you know teach the basics about why nonprofits should be thinking about crypto, talking about it, and really what the opportunity is for nonprofits. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course. All right. I'm going to ask you our first question, and I know this one is on um, many of the folks in our audience's mind. So with um, some of what we've been seeing going on um, in the crypto world, especially with um, FTX and sort of the current downturn in the crypto market, um, which we know that's cyclical, uh, so it'll probably come back, but there is a downturn right now. Why does the conversation about crypto matter for the nonprofit finance office even right now? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question and certainly one we get a lot. Um, I would say it's really important to look at crypto over a longer time frame rather than just what's happening right now. Um, Because over the last 10-year period, for example, crypto has been the best performing asset class in the world. So although crypto is down this year and in the short term, the majority of people who bought crypto over the last few years are still up by a lot. So for a lot of donors, it's still the most tax-efficient way for them to give. And one other interesting thing we find is even in these periods of downturn, um, more and more people actually begin using crypto. So earlier this year, there were over 300 million people already using crypto, and that number is roughly doubling every year. So even though crypto prices are down, think about this more as a donor demographic that continues to grow long term. So it's really important to build those relationships with donors uh, during good and bad times. Really, Mm -hmm. and those nonprofits that position themselves earlier are, of course, going to benefit the most, um, especially because so many of these donors are on the younger side. You can build a a lifelong relationship, really, with a lot of these donors because so many of them are, you know, let's say 30 years old only. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So um, even though there's a little bit of a downturn in the market right now, that may actually mean that there's a lower bar to entry for some folks who might have been interested because it's cheaper to enter right now. Is that accurate? So we'll still see growth in that area. Yeah. And interestingly, even though the market is down, donations are actually up this year overall Mm -hmm. for clients. Mm -hmm. Um, So even just a couple of weeks ago, we had our largest donation ever um, of over $9 million from an individual um, that went to the University of Maryland. So yes, the market is down, but uh, giving certainly hasn't slowed down. And we Mm -hmm. still expect this year end to be our biggest year end ever. 
Okay, that's great. And, you know, we um, we have the Blackbud Institute here at Blackbud. Um, and I know that when they did their last study looking at 2021 data, they noticed that as well, that even with all of the stuff going on between the pandemic and then, um, you know, at least the stock market starting to turn down, giving was still consistent, if not growing. And so it's nice to hear that you all are still seeing that trend as well. Yeah. And I think often, too, um, when there is a downturn, people assume that people stop giving, but sometimes it might just mean that they're giving in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that's particularly true with non-cash assets. I think in economic downturns, people are much more thoughtful in the way they give in terms of the method, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas in, in maybe better times, they're a bit looser in terms of their tax planning and how they're giving and things like that. So we actually find that non-cash, things like crypto and stock, often increase in times like this because it's often the tax efficiency of it allows them to, to keep giving that same amount or in some cases more because of the tax efficiency of those gifts rather than giving cash. Okay. Oh, I love that you said that because one of the things that we've been looking at this year and talking about with our finance audience is the concept of your revenue strategy. And understanding that if, um, you know, maybe folks aren't buying, um, you know, gala tickets right now because they're tightening their belts, but you have opportunities to go after other alternative revenue streams. Yeah. Exactly. And if we know that level of giving is going up, that could be a good thing to look into. Yeah. A lot of clients we talk to, especially right now, they're really focused on recession proofing their nonprofit, right? And a big mm -hmm. component of that is diversifying their revenue and finding new revenue streams, of course. Yeah. And what we find with crypto and, and more broadly non-cash, like we just started accepting stock donations too recently, is that a lot of these donors are brand new donors and brand new dollars coming to the organization, mm -hmm. um, which of course is exactly what nonprofits want when they're thinking about you know, growing their donor base, recession proofing, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That is exactly um, the conversations we've been having, including recession proofing. Yeah, hot love how you, it. yeah, <laughs> it is, it is, rightfully so. So I love yeah. that you brought that up. Um, I'm going to skip ahead to our crowdsource question, if you don't mind, because I feel like we're kind of traveling down that path conversationally. So, you know, a lot of our nonprofits, one of the things that our CFOs you know, always have at the forefront of their mind is risk and compliance um, and making sure that they're managing that. And so a lot of the questions that we got when we told our audience that we were going to be talking with you about crypto were, is it safe? How do I accept it? What are the tax implications um, on the donor side and for us? What are the rules and regulations around accepting? And then how do I handle it with my bank? How do I record in my financials? I mean, we could just roll out the scroll of all the questions that we got. So if you could speak to some of those concerns and sort of the FAQ that you often get, I, would, I think we would appreciate it. Yeah, happy to. I'll start on really the, the operational side first. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our goal is to make accepting crypto and other non-cash gifts just as easy as it is to accept a credit card donation online. And what I mean by that is making it very safe, easy, and automated. So mm -hmm. when we set this up for nonprofits, we wanted it to be, you know, the nonprofits get set up. And after that, functionally, in terms of operations, they don't have to lift a finger. So, for example, when they work with us to accept crypto, crypto donations actually get automatically converted to cash okay. and transferred to their bank account. So they don't need to have any experience, you know, trading or selling cryptocurrency Perfect. anything like that. Yeah get sent to their bank account automatically. They've got a portal they log into to see line by line who donated how much and when. 
So they've got all the usual donor records they would have with other types of gifts. And then we handle all the compliance as well. So on the tax side, tax receipts automatically get sent to donors that are IRS compliant. Um, That just gets updated with your branding, basically a template. Mm-hmm. And then we also automate the form 8282 and 8283 for the IRS. So nonprofits don't have to worry about that either. Um, so we went step by step, thought, all right, what can we do for the nonprofits? How can we make this as easy as possible? And then automated mm-hmm. all of those things. <laughs> yeah, I love that because um, you're making it easy on the donor side. If they want to be dealing and donating in crypto, they can do so. Um, and then on the nonprofit side, if that isn't something you're interested in dipping your toes into is owning crypto. Uh, you can easily convert it. It just, it makes for for everybody yeah. involved. And the piece I'll add to that too, kind of the other side of it, where we talk about operation, when it comes to actually fundraising crypto and getting donations in crypto, that's actually a huge role we play as well. So we always mm-hmm. say that's very different about us versus any other way you can accept or fundraise crypto out there is that we are actually focused on fundraising rather than it just accepting. A lot of solutions stop short at just acceptance and don't actually help nonprofits learn how to fundraise crypto. And we fundamentally view this differently because we view this as a new donor demographic rather than a donation. Mm -hmm. So we've done a lot of things like created a crowdfunding platform, which has become the place crypto donors go to find nonprofits that accept crypto, for example. And just next week, for example, we're running Crypto Giving Tuesday in parallel yeah. Tuesday. So we have these parallel campaigns, NF Tuesday, we've got the crypto giving pledge, all these different things to create a culture of giving in this industry and connecting the donors with the nonprofits. Because we often hear from nonprofits that they're worried, oh, well, we don't think our donors have crypto. Um, and there's kind of two parts to that. One is that a lot of these donors end up being new donors. And the mm-hmm. other part is they'd be surprised, right, by how many people own yeah. crypto. <laughs> That's an interesting point. So it sounds like for on the nonprofit side, it's really helpful if they're articulating to their audience that these are donations they accept to their known donors. And then also either creating or finding sort of crypto watering holes to access yep. those new pools of donors. So the, the biggest part of our team at The Giving Block is a team of crypto strategists that's dedicated to teaching nonprofits how to actually fundraise crypto, where to fundraise it, how to talk Mm -hmm. about it, all the nuances, right? Just like you tailor Mm -hmm. your messaging to certain donor demographics, same with crypto. Um, We joke like we're also trying to keep you from writing Bitcoin as two words because that might scare some donors. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've got like a list of, you know, the lingo so you can talk, talk and and really if you're, you're one of them. But yeah, that's that's a big part of it, doing these regular trainings with our clients, getting them comfortable with, you know, even how to get started, right? The basics of tweeting about, hey, we now accept crypto or we're participating in Crypto Giving Tuesday. That kind of stuff really goes a long way because it's one thing to accept it and another thing to actually fundraise crypto. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when you're working with organizations, it sounds like you're probably working the most with the development or advancement side of the house. How do you continue that conversation with the finance office to say, you may have concerns about this coming into the organization. How can we help you plan for that, um, process those, report on them? Yeah, I would say the piece that tends to resonate with CFOs and, and finance and accounting teams in general is we try to make the comparison that this is very similar to stock donations. And a lot of organizations are already taking stocks or other non-cash gifts. Right. So the IRS has classified crypto as property, actually, rather than currency. Mm -hmm. 
which means a lot of the same things apply when you donate other non-cash gifts in terms of how you treat on your 990, what reporting is required, what acknowledgements are required. And that connection usually helps them understand it much more clearly because they're usually familiar with other non-cash gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you layer in things like, you know, we're using a, a highly regulated platform. That's a New York trust company. We even have FDIC insurance on the cash balances. So all these different things they would come to expect from traditional financial organizations or traditional fundraising platforms, but applied to crypto. Yep. Perfect. Okay, great. Thank you. Let's see. Let's move to our next question. Uh, what do we need to know or do for 2023? I mean, the biggest thing, if you haven't started accepting crypto, is getting started, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, there is no better time to get started than practically today, right? And tomorrow, mm-hmm. same thing again. <laughs> like yeah. Every day you wait, you're basically missing out on connecting with donors and, and opening up that new revenue stream with this new donor demographic. And I would say the biggest thing we hear from nonprofits is, you know, they're hesitant because they often just don't know how to start or, or you know, what they should do to get going. And we really want to reassure nonprofits that, you know, we've made this so easy that if you're able to accept, let's say, credit card donations on your website, mm-hmm. you can definitely accept crypto. It's just as easy um, mm-hmm. with us. And there's even there's other companies out there, too, that do it, of course. Um, but we're just focused on the fundraising side of it. But I would say it's, it's not as difficult and maybe not as um, scary to get started as long as you're working with a trusted partner. If you try to do this on your own, yes, it'll be pretty difficult to figure it all out and build everything from scratch, but there's no need to do that. As long as you're working with a trusted partner, um, it's it's not too hard to get started. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I, I think everybody would appreciate that encouragement. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's the same that you saw with credit cards, let's say 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Not everyone was accepting online gifts yet, and now it's unusual if you're not, right? And, and we think over the next five years or so, same thing will happen to crypto, where right now not everyone's accepting crypto yet, but in five years, it'll actually be unusual if you're not accepting crypto. Mm-hmm. Right? And you don't want to be the last one to be adding that as a donation method because you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point because there's a whole new generation of people coming in that are looking for places to give. So if you can go ahead and establish that relationship now. Yeah, there's basically an early mover advantage, right? When mm-hmm. you're earlier nonprofits, you can, in, in kind of business terms, like carve out market share almost, right? Yes. Be top of mind for those donors, if they're constantly seeing your name as one of the nonprofits that's in this space and accepting crypto, um, and they're really going to appreciate that relationship over the long term, um, especially because these are younger donors and often making their first significant contributions. And one other thing I think that's important to understand is, you know, even though the majority of donors, right now at least, are millennials and Gen Z, um, meaning they're on the younger side, right? That doesn't mean they're not donating a lot. Mm-hmm. Seeing an average gift size of $10,000, which I think is the opposite of what people expect when you say these are mostly young donors. Mm-hmm. So it's really flipping that traditional model on its head. And in some of our past webinars we've done with, with Blackboard, we compared some of that data of, right, typically your older donors are the large donors, your younger donors are the small ones. Crypto has really flipped that on its head because you've got young and wealthy donors, which is pretty unique. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's important to remember, too, you know, we still talk about millennials as if we're in college, but we're in our late 30s now. (laughs) We have more giving power than than maybe we all think we do. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think if people first start hearing the term millennial maybe 10 or 20 years ago and back then, right? Most mm-hmm. millennials were pretty young. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. certainly changed. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, anything else that you want to share with our audience? I want them thinking about. I mean, I would say that the biggest thing is, you know, I think crypto philanthropy and, and crypto in general is further along than most people realize. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's always skepticism of, oh, not many people are using crypto or no one's giving it. Um, and I think most people are pleasantly surprised once they start to learn a bit more. You know, right, I mentioned earlier, over 300 million people using crypto. That's almost the population of the United States, right? That's a mm-hmm. huge donor demographic to tap into. And even just through us, right, over $100 million in crypto donations in the last year. Um, and, and the kind of rebuttal we'll often get from nonprofits as well, no one's ever reached out to us wanting to give crypto. And that's totally normal. Almost none of our clients come to us saying we have a donor. They're being proactive and then they're pleasantly surprised by the donations they get because you can't start really getting serious about crypto fundraising if you're not on the menu, right? If they go to your website and they don't see a way to give crypto, they're probably going somewhere else and giving crypto. So you wouldn't Mm -hmm. actually know. So it's kind of that catch-22, right, where a lot of nonprofits, I think, are waiting for the first donor to reach out saying, can I give you Bitcoin or other crypto? whereas nonprofits need to be a bit more proactive about it. That's a great point, too, because I think with some of the younger generations, and this is a stereotype, so it's not true all the time, we don't necessarily want to pick up the phone and call and say, is there a way to donate? We're going to look online. And if, like you said, if we if we don't see a way to give or to engage, then we just move on because that that's where we go for information and we go to look to donate. Yep. And exactly. so, yeah, you may you may not get that call. Yep, exactly. Interesting. Um, one last question for you. Do you see um, more crypto giving any trends around certain causes? Like you see certain types of organizations or causes receiving more crypto? Or is that demographic more drawn to certain types of organizations? Have you seen any trends like that? A little bit, um, but I think over time, it's kind of normalizing to what you see across the rest of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just because the demographics of who has crypto is kind of starting to normalize and kind of blend in with the rest of the, the demographics. But off the top of my head, I mean, we'll see. We'll do an annual report at the end of the year to kind of recap. But from memory, and you know, hopefully I'm remembering this right, but mm-hmm. <laughs> last year at least, some of the more popular categories were the environment and hunger and children. Um, I think that the latter, especially uh, COVID played a big role in that too, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of organizations like No Kid Hungry, Save the Children, Action Against Hunger did really, really well. Environmental causes did really, really well too, which I think, you know, younger donors tend to care more about the environment as well. And I'd say kind of the third area also is animal welfare, pretty popular as well. Yeah, great. Okay, that's good information. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciated your time and hopefully we can have you on again for a deep dive. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me and and happy to come on anytime. And, uh, you know, if anyone else wants to learn more too, you can always go to our website, givingblock.com, reach out, book a demo, or, you know, even just sign up for the newsletter and, and start learning a bit. Perfect. That sounds great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah.